Hey there, Thrive Community Church. So good to be with you on this Sunday morning. I am excited about where we're going and where we're even at right now. At first, I want to give some thank yous because you guys don't know it, but what you see here takes a lot of work. And so uh, Jessica has been doing a great work. Those good works we talked about last weekend, Jessica has just been knocking it out of the park in editing. And my wife, Allie, uh, Allie Harrington, she has been knocking it, knocking it out of the park as well. They have done a phenomenal job. And uh, even Amber has been doing a great job with announcements. It's a lot of work and you don't see her, but right now Delaney is down here with my notes and, and Julie is back there with the screen so you guys know exactly what's gonna be on the screen for your notes. There is a lot of work that goes into producing this so that you can be safe and protected in your home as you watch this during the COVID-19 season. Now, this has grown us a lot, so we're gonna to continue to do this. And, and not only are they doing all these things, but as you go to the building and when we're in the building and we're doing our normal routine and we're, we're in church again together, then you're gonna see all the good work that they've been doing on Wednesdays and Thursdays and every other Saturday. Delaney, Jessica, Allie, Julie, Amber, they have all been painting and painting and painting and, and we're almost done. As you, as you are watching this, we will have finished the painting in the building. Celebration! I just, I just feel confetti falling all around me right now. That, that is huge. And we're going to go into other things. We're putting in the audio, the video, the lighting there in the church as well. So there is a lot to do, but we have been diligent, and your staff has just been extremely diligent. I just pray that you, you are praying for them. I ask you to pray for them, for strength, for energy, for just to be revitalized, because it is a, it is a lot to do. But we, again, we will be, June 6th, we'll be having another serve day, as Amber just told you. So I hope you're there. I hope to see you there. And I'm so glad that this week our governor, Greg Abbott, has really reinforced the idea that we're opening up Texas. And so there's a lot of safety that he is, um, he is still putting in place. But at the same time, he is giving you a lot of freedom. Thankfully, he even said that by no means shall anybody be jailed for not following these, gu these guidelines. I love that he put that in there. We are, we are Texans and we're not going to jail Texans because of this COVID-19 season. So uh, well, let's get real. So we're, we've been talking about our series, Real, uh, Relevant, Engaging, Authentic Life. We should all be li living this. You and I are in Christ, we should be living the real life, the real life that God gave us. Uh, we talked about being engaging influencers last week. I don't know if you were there during our drive-in service. It was an incredible experience. And even right now, as you're watching this, we're having another drive-in experience. And it is just a lot of fun, a lot of energy. It felt like we were doing an out outdoor celebration, outdoor event. There were people out there in their chairs or lawn chairs, backseat of their, or the back of their, their uh, tailba tailgates just communing, enjoying one another. It was a lot of fun. There was others who just sat in their car with their windows up. We have a radio station. So it, it's, it's something for everyone so that we can begin to come together no matter what your safety zone is. But to this week, we are talking about being an authentic witness. We talked about being relevant. We talked about being an engaging influencer last week. And this week, we're talking about being an authentic witness. And so we're going to pick that up in Acts 1. If you have your Bibles, if not, we, we have all the notes in you version or maybe in the comments section. You're seeing the verses pop up even right now. 
So Acts 1, we're going to verse 4, 4 through 8. This is the day Jesus, this is the day 40 of Jesus being in his resurrected body. And by the way, Pentecost is coming up next weekend. May 30 is the Pentecost weekend. It's Pentecost. So that it means 50 days after the resurrection. So in this story, in Acts 1, 4 through 8, this time Jesus is in day 40 of being in his resurrected body. It's 10 days before the Pentecost in this verse. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came. For us, uh, again, you don't want to miss next weekend. We're ending this series. We're talking about life-giving, but it is the weekend of Pentecost. And so verse 4 says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Man, I can't wait to go back to Jerusalem. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, that you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You shall be. Not many days from now. Verse 6 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8 says this, but you shall receive power. Not you might, not it could be that you do. No, he's saying you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall, you will be his witness. You will be a witness to Jesus in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice he's saying, he is very clear, is you shall, you will. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, Pentecost. You will be a witness to me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the utmost parts of the world. That's us making a difference in this world. Henderson County, Texas, around America and then internationally. You will be a witness to Jesus. This, if you know Jesus, this is what he is saying. That you will receive explosive power and be a witness. Notice he didn't say, you shall. But this is, this is where we get our word dunamis. He says, you will receive power. That, that dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. You will have an explosive power inside of you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you can't help but to be a witness to Jesus. And the question is, are you a witness that talks or not? If, you, if you've met Jesus, something, something explosive has happened to you. It's happened within you. And you are a witness. If you have met Jesus, you have now become a witness. But we can't, we can't get you to tell anybody about it. So we've got to, but you're a witness, so we've got to do a little work, a little groundwork to get you to tell somebody about what Jesus has done in your life. But first, you probably need to know what is a witness. What is a witness? A witness, here's my definition, a witness is someone who has seen or heard something and communicates their experience accurately. Nobody wants to hear fake news. Everybody's tired of false news, false stories. 
they communicate their experience accurately. And many times in the Bible, you will see seen and heard. This, this phrase, seen and heard, or heard and seen. And let me show you some of the amazing people in the Bible that were just witnesses. I'm going to dumb this thing down a little bit because I think we've become so intimidated about being a witness. you got people like Billy Graham who just, they were, they were great witnesses and evangelists. And you think, well, I'll never be a Billy Graham. You don't have to be a Billy Graham. God has a Billy Graham already. He needs a you. And he has given you a you story so that you can tell that story of Jesus to others. That's the story Jesus created and purposed you for so that you can connect with others because they have similar experiences waiting for you to be a witness to Jesus. Now let me show you some of these amazing people. In the Bible, they were just witnesses. And many of these, I promise you, they'll just surprise you. The Son of God, the Son of God Himself, when He came to this earth, He was a witness to say what He has heard from the Father and what he has seen the Father do. That's the only reason Jesus came. That's all he did. The reason he came was to save you and I, obviously, so that we may be restored back to the Father. But all he had to do, here's what the Father's saying, here's what the Father's doing, and then he conveyed that message to others, and it led them to him that they be saved. John 3, 31, 32 says this, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. Witnessing is simple and powerful. All he did was talk about what he has seen and heard. That he, that's all he did to testify. Seen and heard. Now Jesus is our example. He came to testify of these things. Even the, I'll give you another one. The shepherds. The shepherds were witnessing of what they had seen and heard of the Messiah. Look at this in Luke 2.20. It says, Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. As it was told to them. The shepherds knew of him before they came to talk about what they had heard and seen after they had seen him and found him. The disciples of John are witness. They were witnesses. They didn't know Jesus yet, but they just knew of Jesus because of what John had said. John sent them even to Jesus. Remember, because John was imprisoned, uh, later to be beheaded. But John sent the disciples, his disciples, to Jesus and says, Hey! I'm in prison. You're supposed to be setting the captives free. Are you coming? In Luke 7, 22, Jesus says this. He answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. Because they came, they met Jesus, they saw something different. So he said, you go back and say what you have seen and heard. And the disciples... The disciples of Jesus even, Peter and John, they healed the man, remember, at the gate called Beautiful. And then they had beat, then, then the people there, they beat James and, uh, John and Peter. They beat Peter and John and told them to stop testifying. In 25, 2015, I was in Israel and we were able to go to the temple, the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock is what Muslims call that. 
We were able to go up there, and normally Christians are not able to go up there. But we were able to go, we got a window, we took it, we were up there, and we were at the gate called Beautiful. And I remember us being around there and pointing at it and telling the stories. We were testifying of what had happened. In fact, we were testifying of, of Peter and John and th the things that had taken place. And, and, and this is under Muslim ter territory in modern day, 2020 and 2015 at that time. And so here come some uh, Muslim security guards, and they had on their camera. They were not in uniform. They had the, not on. They had a, on their on their walkie-talkies, and they were sitting there. You could tell they were frantic because they were pacing back and forth and looking at us, and they were communicating with someone else. And so then we went over to where the place that is believed to be the holiest of holies. There's a little archway. It's almost like a an outdoor um, cabana or something like that, but. It's, it's a place that is known, believed to be the holiest of holies. And so we, we surrounded there. Below would have been the holiest of holies. We were up above, and we were surrounding that. And another, another guy came over, had glasses on. He was irate. He said, hey, listen, you need to stop telling your lies over there about things that didn't take place on, in this, in, on these grounds. What was he saying? You need to stop testifying about Jesus. That was so exciting to me. I remember talking to our group later that night. It's like, that was worth it. That was worth even coming to Israel just to be ran off by the Muslims because they were upset because we were on the temple talking about the things that had happened back in Jesus' day. That was, it was incredibly exciting for me. Okay. But uh, you can see, though, you can see that Satan himself is trying to convince you to not testify of what Jesus has done in your life. He's trying to stop the church from moving forward, and he'll use any avenue that he possibly can, unworthiness, fear, anxiety, intimidation, whatever it is. You are not purposed to listen to that voice, but to the voice of the one who has called you. And here's some, here was the disciples' answer to that time uh, right here in Acts 4.20. It says, uh, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They said, you're not going to shut me up. I can't help because I have experienced Jesus. I can't help but to talk about the things that he has done in my life. And so I, I remember, I felt like that. I loved it. I, I'm so glad we got ran off from the temple mouth by the Muslims. That was exciting. They were intimidated. We must have been stirring up some demons out there. But the greatest apostle ever to ever live, Paul, was just a witness. That's all he was. And when he conveyed how he was saved, remember, the angel told Ananias, who spoke this to Paul, Acts 22 and 15. It says, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. You will be his witness to all men. This is what Ananias, by way of the angel, was telling Paul what his future would look like. And then, then John the disciple, uh, the disciple of Jesus, later in his life, there was, a, there was this confrontation that arose. It's called Gnosticism. And the, the story that they were trying to tell was that Jesus never even came in human form. They were trying to make up all these other stories. I don't have time to break it down in this message. I'm sure we will. We'll cover it in another in the future. But Gnosticism was starting to arise. And this is what John says later in his life in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was made known, that's what manifested mean, was made known in the natural to us. That which we have seen and heard. We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, we, hey, we, we heard Him and we saw Him and we did life with Him. And maybe you're thinking, well, well I wasn't even alive at that time. Listen, you have a story. I was in the darkest time of my life. I was depressed. I was rejected. I was deceived. I was completely lost from anything stable in my life. And I met Jesus, not in the natural, but certainly in the spiritual. And if I've been saved, and if you've been saved, then we can't help but to speak of the things that we have seen and heard and declare to others and be a witness to Jesus. You've seen what Jesus can do. You've heard him speak life into you. You know the change he has for mankind. Don't you want that same change that you've experienced for everyone around you? It's on you. Now, I think sometimes the world is throwing out our witness because we talk more of what others have seen and heard rather than what we have seen and heard. And in court, this would be called hearsay. It would literally be thrown out in the court of law. It would be called inadmissible evidence. Me telling you about somebody else's story that saw somebody else's event, some other event, is inadmissible. It's time for the church, it's time for you to start telling your story of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Because how many Christians are talking about what other thing, what, what has happened to other people? Let's say this. Let's say you were at a red light and you saw another car run that red light and a car that was taking a green light was struck by the car that ran the red light. You were there, you saw the whole thing. You stopped, you said, hey, you tried to help people because people are badly injured. You called the police, the police showed up, they're interviewing, interviewing you, they're questioning you, what you saw, how it went down, what happened. Then he asked, would you be willing to testify yes in court would you would you have to go would you have to go to automotive school immediately would you have to go to automotive school to testify so that you would know what to talk about or would you have to go to traffic control school so that you could testify in court over what you've seen no they just want you to testify to what you have seen and heard and you are qualified to testify immediately after you have been saved. I think I made myself clear of what a witness is. Now, number two, a witness doesn't argue. It doesn't argue. A witness doesn't argue. I'm let me tell you, tell you my story a little bit. 
From 17 to 27, my life was surrounded by chaos. I mean, uh, our, my friends, all of us, we would drink, we would do drugs. It, in fact, got, in, got into selling drugs during, during that time of my life. There was zero to do in our little town, and all of my friends were going down the same path. In fact, we were encouraging each other down the wrong path. And, and when you're living that lifestyle, of course, you make a lot of enemies as well. And so I remembered after 10 years of that, I moved to Austin. Uh, I said, I can't do this anymore. God had saved me right before I moved. I gave my life to Christ. I met Christ. I moved to grow, to, to go to a church that I, I, I just needed some love. I needed love poured into me. Got that. I would slowly go back to my hometown and I, I, I would see people who were on both sides of that friend and enemy uh, acquaintances uh, back in the past. I had lost 70 pounds. I, I had put on 70 pounds during that 10-year period. I lost 70 pounds, was in shape, happy now, had perspective in life, had vision for my life, had direction for my life, had stability for my life. I would see people in the stores and Walmart and in the corner stores and and they would, they would look at me like they, they think they know me, but they don't know me. And I would call their name out and they'd say, who are you? I'm Nathan Harrington. You know me. You remember this. Oh, are you really? Are you kidding? That, that's you? And it would give me an opportunity to tell them what Jesus had done in my life. Shocked them. Shocking. Your testimony may be different, but it is purpose for you to tell people what Jesus has done or is doing because Jesus is still doing things in my life. He's still speaking into my soul. He's still setting me free from things. He's still breaking me out of, out of, out of hurts and, and uh, distractions and confusions. And Listen, it doesn't take long to not be close to Jesus and something, the enemy starts to speak something or something in your life to happen or some event that takes you backwards. It doesn't take long. we got to stay close to the rock. But here's all you have to do. We use the word salt and light. Salt and light last weekend. You are salt. I'm going to break down salt for you in four, four simple things. It's start a conversation. All you got to do is start a conversation. Then... Ask some questions. People love to talk about themselves. Ask some questions. Listen. Don't start talking. Listen. I know it's hard. And then tell the story. Tell the story of what Jesus has done in your life. Just tell and relate and connect. Be relevant. Tell the story. Maybe you have just a little bit to help them move the needle in their lives forward. But most oftentimes what we do is we use the talk method. It's talking, then we start arguing, then we get louder, and then we start kicking them because they aren't getting what we're trying to say and we don't like the way they're living right now because, and they don't even know Jesus. Tell Jesus a story. Just tell Jesus a story. Or tell your story of what Jesus has done. I think sometimes we argue because we get so caught up in the details of what people are doing or thinking rather than telling them the good news. You see, we're focused on the problem rather than the kingdom, the problem solver. And why are we so shocked that humans sin? Why are we so upset about that? Why do we take offense to people sinning? Let me give you some analogies. Dogs bark, cats meow, 
sinners sin. And for some reason, we expect them to know the rules of faith. But we didn't know the rules of faith when we just, when, when we just met grace. We didn't know the, the rules of, oh, I, I got saved. I'm supposed to start doing this, this, and this. No, we met grace. And we received love. And hopefully people around us started to help condition us and be patient with us and lead us and guide us towards truth. The truth is the only thing that's going to set us free. So lastly, witnessing is fun. Let me tell you this, witnessing is fun. Two times, in fact, this week, I've had a chance to talk to people about Jesus. Uh, one of them were, was on our property, and he was uh, doing something, doing work, and, and trying to find a, a sewer line, the pipeline, rather. And he said a four-letter letter explicitive. He was bent down in a, in a ditch, said, bleep. And, and I was standing there right there like this. He goes, oh, the pastor's here. I said, I said, listen, it's okay. Jesus still loves you. And so we carried conversation around that. He goes, yeah, 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 I'm glad he does. Carried conversation around and, and uh, he said, oh, you guys, you guys had a drive-in this past weekend. I said, yeah, did you stop by? He goes, no, I mean, I stopped by at Whataburger as I was getting breakfast. I said, well, you should have came on in. He goes, no, I, I heard enough. I said, oh, oh you mean like... You were listening, and all of a sudden you started sweating, and you started, you know, the Holy Spirit started getting upon you. He goes, no, remember, Jesus loves me. I said, yeah, but Jesus still wants to work on you. So his friends laughed. The people around him laughed. That there's always a way to begin to put Jesus into the conversation, and you don't have to be hateful. You can make it light. Give the Holy Spirit room to work on him. What happens from these times? He goes home and he's able to be in a place of quiet and rest and reflect. And here the Holy Spirit begins to work on him. And he starts thinking, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the Holy Spirit does want to do a little work on me. And then the Holy Spirit can do the rest of the work. It's not my job to get him saved. It's my job to be a witness to Jesus for Jesus, to tell of Jesus the good news, tell of Jesus what he's done in my life, so that the Holy Spirit can now lead that individual to Jesus. And then again, another subcontractor was on a lift and I, I was talking with him and he was in a high place. I said, I said, hey man, has, has anybody ever talked to you about how to get saved? He goes, no. What do you mean? I said, no one's ever talked to you about how to get saved? He goes, no. You mean, like, no one's ever talked to you about confessing? To Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, believing Him in your heart, repenting of the things that you've done in the past, and then being obedient. He goes, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard that. I said, okay, are you, are you, have you done that? He goes, yeah, 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 I've done that. I said, okay, because I want to make sure if you're coming through here that you're hanging out with people who are saved or at least they know how to get saved. Man, let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. It's not my job. It's not your job to force them down and receive Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Our job is to witness and tell of the good news. And I'm telling you, you are a witness. You have seen and heard. Just don't plead the fifth. You know pleading the fifth is, I'm not going to give testimony of what's happened in my life. Whenever you're in court and you say, I plead the fifth, I'm not going to give testimony of what's happening in my life. Don't plead the fifth. Tell the world what you have seen and heard. I'm going to, I'm going to do something with you. In fact, I've, I brought this right here today. And 
I want to give it to you. So I'm, I'm going I'm to hand this to you. You're going to have to, in your own imagination, take it from me. And what it is, it's a little weight. You know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I talked about fishing. And I don't know if you can see that from where you're at, but it's a little lead weight. And so uh, inside of it, there's a little hole. And you can put your fishing line through that. And it weighs down your hook so that your hook will go to a certain depth, to, it, to the bottom on a, a heavy weight like this. So, this is not about fishing. This has nothing to do with fishing. But what I want you to do, I want you to take this. Here, take it from me on your screen. Take this weight from me. There, it's yours. And then I want you to keep it in your pocket. Because so many people, so many people say, well, their excuse is, well, you know, I'll, I'll talk, to about, talk to people about Jesus when I feel led. Here's lead. Put it in your pocket. When it's time to tell somebody about Jesus, feel the lead and start telling people about Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for every person that is here watching this today that is being touched by your Spirit. And I pray that the peace that surpasses understanding falls all over every individual and that the pressure of getting people saved that maybe even the church has put on people just falls off and people just start explaining, explicitly telling of the good news of what Jesus has done in their lives. Lord, I pray for grace and I pray for boldness. I pray for courage and I pray that the kingdom of God expands because people are finding the courage and the confidence to now begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've yet to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I want to ask you to let us know in the comments section or send in a connect card or response card through a digital version on our website, livewithpurpose.church. We have many events that are going on through livewithpurpose.church that are coming up and talk about our year. But if you have not yet to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me. Walk through this with me, this, this act of obedience. There's no science to it. There's no methodology to it. This is just merely a process that ultimately gets you to the source, and that's Jesus Christ. So the process is you saying, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. I confessed Him as my Lord and Savior. I believe that He has died for my sins. He was buried three days and raised again. I repent for the things that I have done in my life, the things that I'm doing right now in my life, that I know that I should not be doing. My best self does not look like this. And then lastly, it's just simply obey. It's simply by grace, because God gives you grace to obey His Word, His Spirit. So just receive that grace and then choose to apply that grace to whatever struggle you're going through, whatever doubt that you're in the middle of, whatever relationship issue you may be facing, whatever financial decisions you need to make. Just begin to obey because God's Word is full of the answers that you need and is extremely relevant. And He is extremely relevant. And He's created you to be real, relevant, 
and an authentic witness for his kingdom. And if you've just given your life to Christ, you are now qualified to, be a testif to testify and be a witness for Jesus Christ. I love you. Look forward to seeing you. Last question I want to leave you with is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? God bless. See you next weekend.